forces of logic unfolding across the colorless void. The sprawl was a long, strange way home over the Pacific now, and he was no console man, no cyberspace cowboy, just another hustler trying to make it through. But the dreams came on in the Japanese night like live wire voodoo, and he'd cry for it, cry in his sleep, and wake alone in the dark curled in his capsule in some coffin hotel, his hands clawed into the bed slab, temper foam bunched between his fingers, trying to reach the console that wasn't there. I saw your girl last night, Rat said, passing Case's second Kieran. I don't have one, he said, and drank. Miss Linda Lee. Case shook his head. No girl? Nothing? Uh, only biz, friend artiste, dedication to commerce. The bartender's small brown eyes were nested deep in wrinkled flesh. I think I liked you better with her. You laughed more. Now some night you get maybe too artistic, hmm? You wind up in the clinic tanks, spare parts. You're breaking my heart, rats. He finished his beer, paid and left. High, narrow shoulders hunched beneath the rain-stained cocky nylon of his windbreaker. Threading his way through the Nincey crowds, he could smell his own stale sweat. Case was twenty-four. At twenty-two, he'd been a cowboy, a rustler, one of the best in the sprawl. He'd been trained by the best, by McCoy Pauley and Bobby Quine, legends in the biz. He'd operated on an almost permanent adrenaline high, a byproduct of youth and proficiency, jacked into a custom cyberspace deck that projected his disembodied consciousness into the consensual hallucination that was the Matrix. A thief, he'd worked for other wealthier thieves, employers who provided the exotic software required to penetrate the bright walls of corporate systems, opening windows into rich fields of data. He'd made the classic mistake, the one he'd sworn he'd never make. He stole from his employers. He kept something for himself, and tried to move it through a fence in Amsterdam. He still wasn't sure how he'd been discovered. Not that it mattered now. He'd expected to die then, but they only smiled. Of course, he was welcome, they told him. Welcome to the money. And he was gonna need it. Because, still smiling, they were gonna make sure he never worked again. They damaged his nervous system with a wartime Russian mycotoxin. Strapped to a bed in a Memphis hotel, his talent burning out micron by micron, he hallucinated for thirty hours. The damage was minute, subtle, and utterly effective. For Case, who'd lived for the bodiless exaltation of cyberspace, it was the fall. In the bars he'd frequented as a cowboy hotshot, the elite stance involved a certain relaxed contempt for the flesh. The body was meat. Case fell into the prison of his own flesh. His total assets were quickly converted to new yen, a fat sheaf of the old paper currency that circulated endlessly through the closed circuit of the world's black markets, like the seashells of the Trobriand Islanders, it was difficult to transact legitimate business with cash in the sprawl. In Japan, it was already illegal. 
In Japan, he'd known with a clenched and absolute certainty he'd find his cure. In Chiba. Either in a registered clinic or in the shadowland of black medicine. Synonymous with implants, nerve splicing, and microbionics, Chiba was a magnet for the sprawl's techno-criminal subcultures. In Chiba, he'd watched his new yen vanish in a two-month round of examinations and consultations. The men in the black clinics, his last hope, had admired the expertise with which he'd been maimed, and then slowly shaken their heads. Now he slept in the cheapest coffins, the ones nearest the port, beneath the quartz halogen floods that lit the docks all night like vast stages, where you couldn't see the lights of Tokyo for the glare of the television sky, not even the towering hologram logo of the Fuji Electric Company, and Tokyo Bay was a black expanse where gulls wheeled above drifting shoals of white styrofoam. Behind the port...